can I just mention something real quick though? Um, is that when you were talking mm-hmm. about when you were talking about like open source gen and just code all the way down, and because Rails is open source and you can do the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. So like season one will read the Rails guides, season two will read the Rails code base. <laughs> just cover to cover. Yeah, just cover Millions to cover. Millions of words. Yeah. Right. We'll start with we'll start with config, and we'll start with the in file, and just keep going. <laughs> Maybe that's why I have never been, like, good at things that make me anxious, like public speaking and, like, recording and getting up on stage and whatever. Um, it's because I don't have a, I don't have a pregame ritual. Ooh. Yeah, well, you have to think about it. What is your pregame ritual? Yeah. I don't know. And this episode is a, is a little different than episodes we'll be doing in the future, too, because we're speaking more to the audience rather than each other. We're... Introducing ourselves uh, to everybody who's listening, and we wouldn't do that if it was just me and you talking, because I know who you are. Who are you, by the way? Um, yeah, why don't you go first? Sure. You're ruining my, my amazing segue. Um, well, hi, everybody. You're listening to the Tightly Couple Book Club. My name is Aji. My pronouns are they, them. And I work at ThoughtBot as a development team lead. I have been programming Rails ever since I became a programmer. I I like to say that I'm coming up on my second anniversary of being a professional programmer, but that's just because I started on Leap Day in 2016, and it won't be the second Leap Day to come around uh, until next year. Now I'll hand you over to my wife, who can introduce herself. Well, hi, everyone. My name is Mina. I am a developer on at ThoughtBot on the mission control team that does SRE, which is site reliability engineering and DevOps. I have been programming in Rails for almost five years now, and that means I am more experienced than Aji is. <laughs> so why are we here? Why are we here? (laughs) The idea for this podcast came around because on the project that I'm working on right now, it's a fully full stack Rails application with a lot of PRs that I was putting up. Someone who is much more knowledgeable about the small details of Rails on my team would always uh, comment with some interesting little bits of Rails minutiae that uh, aren't really well known that made everything sort of streamlined. A lot less workaround and more of that convention over configuration and kind of leaning into the framework. And it just made me think that I need to know how Rails thinks and how Rails works a lot better. And that maybe I should read the Rails guides from cover to cover. Just go absolutely all the way through and maybe make myself some like flashcards or space repetition cards to learn that. And as I was telling Mina about that, she said, do you want to make that a podcast? And so we're here. Yeah, I mean, at ThoughtBot, we have several people who are really great at learning, learning in public or like failing in public in our Slack channels. And I think that leveraging that spirit to read the Rails guides will be something that is both beneficial to us, beneficial to the people that hopefully will be listening to us and taking me out of my comfort zone. Yeah, so this is uh, this is growth for us, and it's uh, learning for us, and hopefully it's going to be helpful to some other people out there too. There was something else um, I was going to say when you mentioned the kind of minutia about 
what was it that you that you uh what was the phrasing that you used yeah something about like minutiae inner workings of rails things that aren't general knowledge or it's sort of the main corpus of what you would do with rails kind of by default yeah the parts of the rails guides that most people would have seen essentially right it's not that they're not shared because they are in the guides be places where most people wouldn't go just kind of organically and that's what we're doing is digging up the (laughs) (laughs) b-side are the kids going to get that reference (laughs) just expose like talk about the b-side of the rails guides i like it later on in the page you know like those pages are always very long and you always just kind of go through and just pick out what you need in that moment right but if you don't like if you haven't encountered something you don't know to look for it and i think what we have learned is that limits kind of the potential of expanding your rails knowledge right you just kind of start to get comfortable with the parts of the rails guide that you have encountered organically and keep going back to so hopefully we're like going to expand our and everyone else's scope of what rails can do yeah absolutely and that's an effect that's sort of compounded by just the way that rails works with like convention over configuration and people talk about rails magic it's a little bit that if you've never seen it or you've never heard of it you don't even know to think that it exists right and so the way that i think a lot of people come around to knowledge with rails is working with other people that have found it from other people and it's this sort of institutional knowledge game that you have an opportunity to get around and kind of break out of, but I don't think a lot of people often do. Right. I was thinking about this of how, whenever I land on that page, how, like, what am I doing? How am I using it? I think that kind of thinking back to when you were first teaching me to code in Rails at home, we would do like very basic things, right? Just Rails knew a thing, create some migration, create some basic CRUD routes, So then you will pull up the guides into those kind of like getting started page, these intro to models, intro to MVC, just the the essential, the essential stuff, right? Like the essential things that if you're creating a Rails project, you have to do. Those are the moments that like, I think I read more of the words that are on the Rails guides page because I was new to the concepts and was trying to learn those foundational concepts and functionality of Rails. But as I get into more complex tasks and complex, like doing more complex things within the framework, I'm reading less words when I'm getting to, when I land on Rails guys nowadays, I'm reading less words because I am searching through the page for the phrase I am. I know a method that is that might start with create. So I'm like searching for things. So I'm reading less of the words that are actually on the page. And that is extremely limiting to kind of just learning barely peripheral to what Mm -hmm. I already know. That's kind of how I use it too. It's when I know that a thing exists, I know how to do a thing, but maybe not the exact syntax. So like I'll jump into the guides, command F down to the thing that I'm looking for and remember the syntax. And I use it a lot that way that it's it's very much going in in a targeted way, not looking at the words, looking at the code sample or something that is just going to get me the thing that I need to do the 
implementation details of what I'm trying to do, right? I'm not reading it, not seeing about what other options are, or maybe what the philosophy behind the thing is. It's just kind of go in, get the thing you need and get out. Mm -hmm. I think that's another reason why I really have never learned what the asset pipeline does or how Rails handles the V of the MVC. I'm actually really excited to get to those sections just because I don't like have to do it. I just kind of want to understand it. Yeah, for sure. I think that's um, something that is a strength of Rails too. And it's another one of these Rails paradoxes almost that you don't have to know how everything works, right? That's a strength of Rails that you can come in and start doing these things without knowing every single part of the framework and every single part of the pipeline. But as you start to do more complicated things or you're deploying to different environments like the stuff that is beyond the rails new and here are the foundational things and putting it out into the real world maybe debugging something that's been written over years by a bunch of different developers like knowing how those things are actually going to fall into place and work together starts to become more useful maybe not necessary but you'll be able to understand what's going on and kind of fit those puzzle pieces together with fewer holes and will help you get to the solution that you're looking for a little bit easier and so even if you might not interact with those things, even directly for the thing that you're working on, it can be super helpful to know, at least at a surface level, what's going on at each of these things. Like, I'm not going to be able to, by the end of this, I'm hoping to understand the autoloader um, and, what is it, Zeitwerk? Zeitgeist? I don't understand how that works. And so there are some interactions between classes that I've written and Rails and configs and different things like that. I am kind of dipping into and using the the guides, the documentation, PR review and pairing. I'm using the things that other people tell me to use, but I might not necessarily know why. Right. And if you can kind of understand the internals a little bit more, then you're going to be able to use that information more intentionally. Yeah, that's true. I almost wish that whoever coined the term Rails magic never did it. That's a whole episode on its own, just me ranting about the Rails magic phrase, because it's both frustrating as a newbie learning. I'm sure you remember this of like the difficulty teaching me to use Rails because I was always asking, but how does that work? Why is it doing that? It's like, it's just Rails magic. It's like, no, that is not a sufficient answer. <laughs> but also it it kind of discourages people from digging into how things are working under the hood, mm-hmm. right? When you accept something as magical and you don't really think about kind of digging into why that is. You see a card trick and you just like, oh, that's fun. That's like entertainment, like the magician performing magic. And you kind of want to believe that. Mm-hmm. Unless you're me, then you just want to know where is he hiding that card? You know, so I think it's a shortcut. And also, I don't know. I don't like it. Like I said, it's a whole different rant. I think there's so many complicated feelings around that phrase. What does it mean? How do we uh, relate to it? What are the trade-offs of that? That is a super interesting conversation that happens a little bit, but I'd really like to hear more of because it is both this really helpful thing and this thing that can be frustrating and set you back. And 
both of those things can be true at the same time. And I know as a beginner that every time I could like delete a line of code and Rails would just do it for me, I would be like super excited. I am maybe the opposite of the way that you were learning. I was like, oh, I don't have to know about that. And I can do I can do a thing now. I'll just do that. And one of the kind of formative moments, I'm calling it that in hindsight, maybe, but at boot camp, I remember learning about some things that would happen in the controller. I don't remember exactly what, but some loading of models or before actions that you could do, or like you didn't have to put render to tell it what view to use because by convention, Rails will just pick it up. And so I deleted a bunch of things and my controller was almost empty, but everything was working still. And I was like telling my my fellow boot campers about like, look at this, you can just delete all of this and it just happens. Isn't that cool? And the instructor said like, yeah, that's really neat. But like, if I need to go into that controller, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why this thing is here. What is happening, right? It's not telling the other people who are going to be using your code what your intentions were. And so it was at the same time, this wonder and excitement about the magic, but also it was this reminder that magic can be a double-edged sword and that it can actually make things harder to use. It can make things harder to use at the same time that it's making things easier to use and that I think is the kind of quintessential Rails magic paradox. I think the problem for me is not in the ease of use. It's the framing of it being magic. I think there's just assumptions that come around with accepting something as magical. I think like you're talking about a formidable moment. The one that's for me is when finally somebody told me that there is no magic. And that was a very, that was a very big moment. <laughs> for me yeah i remember your your excitement about that talk yeah yeah when somebody finally told me like there is no magic in this it's like thank you now i can now i just felt like i had the permission then to go and find out how things work i was uh just talking to another thought botter the other day that there's this sort of milestone in a programmer's career or trajectory, whatever you want to call it, journey, where you realize that because these things you're using are open source, if you're having a problem, you can actually just go look at the code. And that moment where you realize that and kind of first experience the usefulness of being able to do that is a big turning point, right? And you can do that with Rails too. And Rails feels like this big thing that is written by these really amazing people and the community has been building it up for however long but it's still just code all the way down and you can go look at what it's doing and figure it out and you know maybe you find a bug in rails or maybe you find a way to streamline and optimize the thing that you're doing or you find something you're doing that seems completely innocuous is making a bunch of extra database queries and you can figure that out by just going and looking at the code and then next week, you or Eileen, you should tell. That's a great story. I think there's an episode of The Bike Shed that she did with uh, Chris Toomey that everybody should go check out where she talks about how she got started in, in Rails. What are we doing here? Like, what is the logistics? When people tune into this, what can they expect? It's a little bit we're reading the Rails guides as, as if it's a book, a technical book. In my mind, this is not going to teach you to use in detail to use any feature of Rails, but help you discover its existence so that the next time you are implementing some feature, you can be like, oh, well, I heard about this thing 
that Mina and Aji read about at the end of a page of Active Model, for example. I'm going to go take a look at that. That's the best case scenario. Yeah, I think uh, like we were talking before that you don't know a thing in Rails sometimes until someone points it out to you. I'm hoping that as we learn these things for ourselves and have them pointed out to us, we can share them with everybody else too and be that person. So you can get kind of a condensed, you didn't have to write a thing that could have used a different part of Rails, but you can hear about it now and maybe reach for that in the first place next time. Another way that I think about this is something that I was sort of taught about how to learn from my dad. He talks about he didn't go to college until a lot later in his life, and yet he still knew so many things, like an impressive, scary amount of things. And he talked about the way that he picked up a lot of this stuff was just having a subscription to Scientific American, and he would read it cover to cover, front to back, all the way through, and understand maybe 5% of it. Still reading all these words that he didn't know, the next time that he picked up an issue that would talk about something that had been previously discussed, it wasn't the first time he was encountering a term or a concept. And so 5% became 6%, became 10%, became 20%. And a little bit of that exposure to things before maybe you've needed them or used them puts it in your head a little bit, kind of primes the pump for using it when you encounter it and really need it. So I think there's a component of that that I'm hoping that people will be able to get out of hearing us talk about it. We'll mention a feature or a term that we learned and somebody heard it on this. And the next time they go to the Rails Guide, they were like, oh, I kind of understand this a little bit more, even though it's the first time I'm seeing it with my own eyeballs for the first time. I'm really into the concept of spaced repetition and uh, sort of flashcard learning as a way to engage with memory. Um, and that's a whole topic in and of itself. So if you wanted to know more about that, spaced repetition is the word that you would Google. I'm going to try and put together a deck of flashcards for each of the pages that we read in the Rails guides and make those publicly available if you want to uh, use that as a tool for yourself as well. You're all their accountability buddies. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, be my accountability buddy, please. Yeah, so what is each episode going to look like? Yeah, so before every episode, Aji and I will read through a page as listed on the Rails Guides table of contents page, which is at guides.rubyonrails.org. After we read it, we will come together, discuss anything that we learned that we didn't know before, any knowledge from previous that was reaffirmed or something that is surprising as you would in something like a book club. Yeah, to circle back around with what you were saying earlier is we're not going to go line by line and be instructive of what's there uh, because the guides are already amazing documentation. On the scale of technical documentation, the Rails guides are really great. And so if you need that instructional bit, I would encourage you to go look at the guides themselves. We are going to focus a little bit more on our takeaways and sort of discussions, maybe some stories if we have used these in the past, or maybe some stories where we could have used those in the past and avoid did a lot of headaches no yeah that last scenario will be really great <laughs> i think it's probably going to be more common than i would hope but i don't yes. know it's it's our job you're we're here so you can learn from our past mistakes exactly 
We're also going to try and keep each of these episodes to 30 minutes or less, so they're uh, digestible chunks. Maybe sometimes that means we'll have more to talk about and a page will take more than one episode, but we're going to attempt and keep one page of the guides to one episode, one for one. So this introduction, we'll call it episode 0.5. It's a prequel. It's not a prequel because it happened first. So in our first official episode, we are going to start with the first page of the Rails Guides, Getting Started with Rails. Hey there, cats and kittens. Uh, This is Aji from the editing room. When we recorded this episode, we didn't have a website yet, but now we do. So you can find the show at tightlycoupled.dev. And if you have any questions or constructive compliments, the show's mastodon is tightlycoupled at ruby.social. That's going to be the best way to get your feedback to us. Yeah, definitely. We love feedback, especially when they're nice. So you can find me on ruby.social at doodlingdev. And you can find me on ThoughtBot's official Mastodon account at mina at thoughtbot.social. We'll be back in touch with that first page of the Rails Guide in two weeks. And you can expect a new episode every fortnight. Cool. Bye. Before every episode, Aji and I will read through a page as listed in the Rails Guides homepage. So guides.rubyonrails.com. Org. And... Son of a... (laughs) Can you type it in the notes so I can read it properly the first time?